0: Good to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for the platform today. It's a, it's a great and mighty day, isn't it? Wow. So we're here today. I hope I can organize my table here. Um, we're here to, to turn our eyes and our hearts back to Jesus, you know, who, who oh, golly, he loves us so much. But we're looking at his triumphant and prophetic entry into Jerusalem and the culmination of his purpose. So this marks Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week and the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. So I want you to please stand, if you, if you don't mind, for the reading of the word this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, the, uh, uh, the scriptures are on the, on the screen if you want to follow Matthew 21, 1 to 17. And I'm going to read it out loud to you. Now when they drew near Jerusalem, and came to Bethpage and the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. The Lord is saying he has need of you today. He has need of us, each and every one of us. He has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Zechariah, chapter 9, verse number 9, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes Their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road as well. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. Then the multitudes who went before them and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Who is this? they were asking who is this jesus so the multitude said this is jesus the prophet from nazareth of galilee then jesus went into the temple of god and drove out those who brought i'm sorry who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables uh, of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves and he said to them it is written my house shall be a, a house of prayer called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priest and scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They got very upset. They got nervous in the service. And he said to them, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said, Yes, Have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? Then he left them and went out of the city and to Bethany and he lodged there. So Lord, I'm asking you to add a blessing to the reading of your word today. I ask you to bless every household represented here today, Father. Give us a hearing ear and a heart to receive and a mind to perceive what you would speak to us in the name of Jesus you may be seated in the presence of the Lord, Hallelujah. So now, up to this point, um, in Jesus' public life, most of the time, you know, when he would be handling the crowd and they would be coming around him, you know, wanting him to wanting to proclaim him king, we read of him telling the people, "Shh, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't don't tell don't tell them. Just be just be quiet about." You know, what I did for you, don't tell tell him, please, don't announce that. But he would quietly slip away again and again. But now this time in Jerusalem, it was going to be a little bit different. See, when Jesus came to Jerusalem on this day, a great many things began to happen. First to note, I want to highlight the response of obedience. Jesus is calling us to obedience today. So recalling the first three verses, it tells us that Jesus gives this commands to his disciples to go ahead of him to the village to to get the the donkey and the foal that were tied up and bring them to him. He tells them what to say, you know, if they get questioned or confronted about their actions. Now, in this uh, gospel in Matthew, it doesn't tell the whole story, but in Luke's gospel, chapter 19, it confirms that they actually were confronted by the owners of that. You would be saying, like, why are you taking my car? Why are you taking my donkey? But because of the favor on them and the direction that they followed God's, uh, Jesus' command, they were given, they were given this grace. So I would um, like, what I like about these two guys is the fact that they obeyed instructions they just simply obeyed the instructions they didn't query him they didn't ask for questions explain why, why are we going to get a donkey what what's that all about and, and verse 6 is a very powerful statement it says they did as instructed they did exactly what they were told they simply obeyed now wouldn't it be great I know pastor you can relate to this and when you tell somebody what to do, they, oh, yes, exactly, I'll do it right away. And they actually do it. If we followed the word of God and what he commands us to do, what he's asking us to do, wouldn't it be great if we just simply did it? Mm, think about that for a minute. <laughs> so there, there is obedience at its absolute best. Obedience, which is also known as submission, It's first a sign of true discipleship. It's a sign that we have right relationship with Christ. And thirdly, it's a sign that we actually love God. This was a sign that his disciples loved him. Jesus tells us in John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, if you really love me, oh, hallelujah, I love the Lord. If you really love me, you will obey me. You'll follow what I ask you to do. So this is showing... Uh, this is saying to us how we love God is in our obedience. How we show him that he is the Lord, which also means boss, in our lives. He is el grande queso, right? Uh, no, el grande queso. I said it wrong. El grande queso? Amen. So, <laughs> so so, right at the very beginning of this holy week, this last week of Jesus' earthly life, we see that obedience We see the obedience of Christ's disciples to go and do as instructed. But also we're seeing a picture of Christ's obedience to go and do the will of the Father, to go and show us how much he loves us. Wow. He's also fulfilling the Scripture's prophetic declaration about his purpose and his destiny in Zechariah 9. Your king is mounted on a donkey. Now ever wonder why Jesus sent for a donkey. No, surely for, I mean, show enough, as they say in the South, show enough, Texas, Mississippi. They say that it's like, why would he be on this thing? You'd think he would be riding in on, on, a, on a majestic horse, steed, you know, a stallion, or he'd be riding on a, on a gilded chariot, you know, the Mercedes of the day. But why a donkey? Well, let me tell you, a commentary that I read says that at that time, it was customary that a king would ride on a horse when he came to bring war. But he rode on a donkey when he came to declare peace. Interesting, huh? So Jesus, the King of kings, the Messiah, the Lord of lords, would come riding on a donkey because he came to bring peace. He came to bring the peace between God and mankind, to reconcile us back to God. So it was a deliberate act that Christ would ride on a donkey entering Jerusalem. He did that on purpose. It's like he enacted a parable for all of us to see and understand what was happening right before them. So the very fact that Jesus came riding on a donkey, accompanied by the shouts of the people was a public proclamation of his kingdom, his kingship rather, and his messiahship. It shows his purpose. So when Jesus comes to Jerusalem, the response absolutely was obedience. The followship of the will of God. Secondly, let's, spot, let's spotlight the, the response of worship. So the disciples bring back the donkey and its foal and place their coat. Their coats on the foal. We see in, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 11, that this animal had never been ridden on before. So you, you probably know those who go horseback riding or you know, whether it's a donkey or a horse or a camel. Those animals have to be broken in before it's safe to really ride on their backs, huh. So it's amazing, in the midst of all the, the singing and this ecstatic crowd. An unbroken foal is going to carry the Messiah. It's going to carry Jesus into Jerusalem. So, this fulfills the proclamation that He is absolutely Lord of all creation. Amen? Amen. So, the crowd gathers all around Jesus. Some of them go before Him and they begin to throw their garments, as, as well as, those, as the palm branches on the ground before Him. See, this was the traditional way of honoring a victorious king. And they, they accompany their actions with their cries and shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They worship him. They proclaim him king and savior. The pastor mentioned it earlier this morning that Hosanna means save. It means to save. It was originally a cry out for salvation. So here they are worshiping Jesus, crying out Hosanna and praise. They're actually saying, save us, Savior. Save us, save us. Wow. What's great to note is Jesus' name actually means God saves. It's powerful. Hallelujah. You got to note also that this is his own, these are his own disciples who began to worship him first. His own disciples started it. They placed their coats and their garments on the donkey first. And then Jesus' disciples lead the people into praise and worship. See, if the disciples of Christ today don't lead people to worship in Christ, who, who will? You know, if, if the world doesn't see us, how will they come out of darkness How will they know that they can seek a savior who will save? Are you hearing me? So they all proclaimed him king. They all proclaimed him the son of David, the Messiah. They all exalted him. They all praised him on his journey. And yet we know in just a few days, they would be crying, crucify him, crucify him. Isn't it amazing the fickleness of the human heart. The, the same people who praised him would curse him and spit on him and cry for his death all within a matter of a few days. Jesus, and he loves us anyway. Even the disciples who led the praise in the procession will have deserted him by then. In fact, within a week, he will have been betrayed by one of the 12, one of the same who, who laid his coat on the colt. betrayed by the kiss of a friend. He would then be denied by another friend. All the others would become hidden away because of their, the, the scrutiny of their association with him. Hmm. He would be lied on. He would be tried on false charges. He would be found guilty of nothing more than being who he was, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. Jesus, how fickle the human heart. You see, when Jesus came to Jerusalem, the, re- the response was absolute worship, but it was very short-lived. That's because we need to worship God in spirit and in truth. Not just all of our emotion and the excitement of running around the the room and hallelujah, hallelujah, but in our spirit, we still haven't committed to him. Are you hearing me? It's not just an emotion. It has to be within the heart, from a pure heart, an undivided heart. Huh, that's a great lesson because you know what? Not everybody who sings praises to Christ will be a follower, especially when the crowd goes in a different direction. Or when, there, when difficulty comes up in your life, when there's a challenge, or when it's not politically correct to say his name out loud? Let me ask you, do you, do you worship Christ only on Sunday? Hmm. Or, or is it your lifestyle? Maybe it's, maybe it's just a hobby. Maybe, maybe you like being married part-time. It's just a thought, just a thought, just a thought. Now, now, another response we see in this is, is that a curiosity? Curiosity. Verse 10 tells us that they asked, some of the people in the city asked, who is this? Who, who, is, who is this? Because they just joined in with the crowd, singing praises with the rest of the people, but it was totally out of curiosity. Hey, Hosanna, Hosanna, go Jesus, go Jesus. Who's Jesus? Who's, who is who Who, who, who is it? But they wanted to be, you know, they want to be in with the crowd. <laughs> it, it reminds me back in the day when I was working for a gentleman named Smokey Robinson. We were at the airport waiting for a flight. We're sitting there at the coffee shop nearby and people are seeing him and they're coming up, you know, ask for a picture and autograph, and you know, it was in and out. We were just, you know, several bunches of people. And so this lady, she comes up and she says, Can I get an autograph? And and you know, he signs the autograph and she walks away looking at the autograph, looking back and looking at it. And so then she finally comes over to she says, Who is he? <laughs> Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? See, the crowd answered, He's the prophet from Nazareth. Don't you understand? He's a prophet. But Jesus never claimed to be such, to to be a a prophet. Are you kidding me? He never claimed to be anything but the Son of God, the Savior of our world. Are you hearing me? Wow. So curiosity was such the response of so many then and even today. They want to know who he is. What can he he do? Not realizing the desperation of their spirit man needing needing to be transformed. Point being, singing praise and worship music can attract the attention of the crowd because we we love music. Music is such a connector. But without teaching the word, Pastor, you know this, people won't know him. They won't know who he is, why he came, or what he can do for their lives. You see, praise alone is not enough to share the gospel, It takes seeking God diligently and personally for yourself and eating the word like bread every day, daily. Are you hearing me? The next response is cleansing. See, if you think Jesus stirred up things in the parade, boy, it's about to go down at the temple. (laughs) As we discovered, Jesus riding on the donkey, that was a sign of him as being king, coming in peace never in verse number 12 and 13, it says that he goes straight to the temple and gets violent. He starts wilding out, wilding out. He's turning over tables, whipping people out of the temple. Get out of here. This, this is my house. My house should be called a, a house of prayer. Yeah. Contradiction? No, not at all. Because Jesus went straight to the heart of the Jewish, Jewish faith, to the temple. That's where they, they live, supposedly. To the place set apart for worship, where God's presence resides, the holy of holies. But what did he find? He found a den of thieves, a place of iniquity, people buying and selling who were supposed to be worshiping, but instead were cheating, lying, and stealing from the worshipers. A place of prayer was used for a place of worship pray, P-R-E-Y, and in his righteous indignation and justifiable anger, he cleanses the temple because it has to be a place of prayer, of reverence and communion with the Father. Amen. So any personal, any personal gain or, or exploitation of the vulnerable people or misuse, uh, misuse of the things of God He will overturn and cleanse the temple, even in your temple. Because he wants you ready to receive greater. Amen? Hands free to receive. See, when Christ comes to our temple, in our life, he comes to cleanse us of sin and selffulness. He wants to clean us of of that self-ambition or anything that takes us away from the heart of God. He comes to overturn and drive out our money tables. I was wondering, does that mean my credit cards? Just, I was just panicking for a minute. That's okay. But he comes to clear out all those places that we exchange for the things of God. We exchange the things of God for lesser things, the things of this world. We've got to get clean before we can receive his fullness. Saints, you know, our bodies... The Bible tells us our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But now are we trading, we're trading His ways for the world? Are we trading His ways for political correctness? Are we trading God for our comfort zone? Those things that make us comfortable, it's a CZ is a, no matter how big it is, it's still a fake. Anybody, I'll get that when you get home, okay. You got to know that Jesus wants to drive out anything that desecrates your temple because you are precious to him. Remember, the the, the purpose of cleansing is to remove whatever infects us or whatever will block us so that we can be healed and restored and return to wellness and wholeness and receive everything that God, that our Lord Jesus Christ died to give us. See, that's God's intention for us, His intention to make us better, the better person that we are, we can fall in love with who He made us to be, and we can look like Him. 1 Corinthians 6.20 out of the message tells us, don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid a high price for, such a high price for, and that would be you. Amen? Amen. So lastly comes the response of of opposition. See, when Jesus comes to town, he won't be still and know you got something to do. Okay, y'all get that later too. All right, amen, hallelujah. Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I'm God. Anyway, verse 15 tells us that all of the religious leaders were in opposition to him. Now, Jesus was just, you know, healing the people, blessing the children, and they got very upset. That was because he opposed, he opposed them, because he threatened their position and their authority. You see, he confronted their legalism and their misuse of, of uh, power over the people. When, you, know, you know, when Jesus comes to town, you you, you got to expect a few people to get nervous in the service. You see, when Jesus comes to town, when Jesus comes into your life... Changes are gonna happen, changes. You may be experiencing some opposition from your family and friends. Some of those people who don't really wanna to come to church because you're changing. And see, when Jesus comes into your life, he turns a light on that kinda of like exposes the darkness in them in their lives and it becomes confrontational. But don't worry, don't worry. Just keep praying for him, keep looking forward, keep moving towards Jesus, and everything going to be all right. Amen? Are you hearing me? There's no condemnation in it. He's going to bless you. And when the opposition comes, remember, opposition is just another opportunity for God to bless you. He said he'd give you double for your trouble. Amen? So, in conclusion when jesus comes to town there's going to be all kinds of responses there's going to be obedience worship curiosity cleansing opposition because everybody has an opinion and everybody will have a response there's also going to be critics that rise up there's going to be religious leaders who are very pharisaical there's some who go with the crowd there's going to be some real praisers that emerge Maybe some real people committed to obedience. Some true followers will come forth and some real disciples. But you know what? I believe there's another response that will be so loud and so explosive, so great and right from the heart. And that's going to be the response of gratitude. Because you see, Jesus. His entrance into Jerusalem was a prophetic declaration of our victory in our whole life and the new life that he's forming on the inside of us. Because in a few short days, people, on the other side of that old rugged cross, on the other side of the worst and best day ever, the worst day because man decided to kill God, But the best day, because God decided to kill death, we're going to emerge and see this victorious king. Yes, this response of gratitude is going to happen because a resurrected Savior will appear full of power and glory and grace and honor and might. A redeemer and soon returning king. A forgiver, a healer our peace, our restorer, our strength. We'll be grateful that this mighty God, Christ the King, Christ our Lord, who sits at the right hand of the Father, is inviting us to sit with him on his front row and bless us to never, ever be the same. So are you with me this morning? Let's shout hallelujah. 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 Let's say Hosanna, Hosanna Hosanna to the Son of David. David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hosanna in the highest. highest. Amen. Thank you, Father God. Thank Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us so much that you would send your only child, your only child, your only begotten Son, to reconcile us back to your heart and to your love, and to relationship, and we praise you for that today. God bless you. God bless us, everyone. Amen. Amen.